Welcome into the Lions Den. I am Trevor Allen, filling in for Tom Hackett, who apparently thinks he's better than both me, Spencer the GovWarn, and Matt Gash, who is MIA right now. But Spencer the GovWarn, how are you, sir? I'll be better when this uh, pod is over and done with. I can tell you that right now. I'm ready to go to bed. That that's rude. People want to hear from you, and for you to want it to be done and over with <laughs> is not is not cool. No, no, no. Uh, hopefully, uh, Matt Gash will be here. Uh, uh, he's driving safe. Um, he's uh, you know running some uh, some errands. So to speak, but uh, yeah, director of uh, PR for for Real Salt Lake and uh, the Royals and the Monarchs. Uh, Tom is doing something else. He's on assignment, should we say, uh, Trevor? He's just doing a different podcast. Is that really an an assignment? He's just doing a different podcast. It's not even a different podcast. He's doing a TV show. He's actually taping his his golf show. Oh, golf! That's it. Exactly. His number one love. Yeah, I would go. It's Kate. Golf and then his dog. Would you even say? Would you even say Kate's number one? Absolutely, they just got married. They're, they're still oh, yeah. very much in yeah, love. That, yeah, that's still there. Uh, Matt Matt's probably doing some uh, some very important work with uh, Tim Spall, who's just been announced as the new Academy Director for uh, the RSL Academy, which is awesome. Uh, he's an Englishman. Okay, so, so that means you know you're already talking about it. Dive into a little bit. It give, means give me your thoughts. It just means that the youth product's going to be even better. All right, so there's that. Tom Spall is the new RSL Academy director. But Tuesday night, Real Salt Lake had their, uh, I guess, fourth round, quarterfinal, I don't know what round it was, of the U.S. Open Cup. It was Cup, fourth round, yeah. Uh, of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup tournament against the league-leading LAFC, which, in case you guys didn't know, they're really, really good at soccer. Uh, it was a 3 nothing loss for Real Salt Lake. Gov, you were there last night, mm-hmm. or Tuesday night, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. What are your thoughts? Um, I thought, you know, when initially the, the lineup came out, I was um, I was okay with it. Obviously, there were six players missing. You know, Albert Rusnak was on international duty with Slovakia. He just played that day. Um, Jefferson Savarino was with Venezuela. You know, uh, long may that continue, and, and hopefully uh, we don't see him for a little while, you know, for selfish reasons for himself. Mm-hmm. And then the four young guys, both for Salcedo, Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, and Brooks Lennon, with that uh, under-23 uh, training camp with Jason Christ, which we're going to get to later on. Um, but So there were six, six, you know, legit starters out of the way. Nick Beasley, I think, was... Um, I won't say under observation, he came off um, at halftime against New York Red Bulls uh, on the first uh, in that 4-0 uh, loss there with, with a head injury. So you didn't really need to, to risk him, gives him an extra a week or so before we look at the game with the uh, Chicago Fire on the 22nd uh, over in Chicago. So, you know, when you look at the starting lineup, it's as strong as as it probably could be outside you know the Nader Monoha starting on the bench and um and and uh, Joao Plata not uh, in in the squad um you know I, we've all heard the rumors we're expecting him to leave you know when when July 1st rolls around um so yeah on paper i mean you look at Sam Johnson Demir Krylak you've got the two uh 
that the Smash Brothers in midfield with regards to Everton Louise and uh, and Kyle Beckerman, your captain. And then the centre-back partnership, Eric Holt has already got some minutes under his belt alongside um, Marcelo Silva and then Nick Romando in goal. So the spine was really, really strong. Uh, and then you look at what Bob, Brad- uh, Bob Bradley was able to bring, just three guys missing on international duty and the depth of their squad. Uh, you knew that we were going to be in for a tough time, but I was quietly confident. Um, and the confidence came from the two previous home games that we had against uh, Toronto FC and Atlanta United. So I thought, okay, this might be a little bit uh, a little bit closer. And then you remember that US Soccer wants us to take the Lamar Hunt Open Cup seriously, but they schedule league manager training, as in coaching training, <laughs> On the same day, so your head coach, your leader of the team, the man that's going to instill the confidence, tell the boys what to do, what he wants to achieve this season, bearing in mind it's just five games from the fourth round to the final. If you win the final, okay, it's only 300 grand, but it's a path back into the Champions League final. Quickest Uh, way to get back to the Champions League. Champions League, I should say. And it's silverware. Well, he's not available because it's a mandatory meeting. So, I mean, Yeah. yeah, it was absolute... Get the edit edit button ready. Get it ready. Got it ready. Poop. It was terrible. It was a terrible, (laughs) terrible idea. So, I mean, obviously, there's. I'm not going to make excuses because I thought the performance was poor. Um, was was it was it just an all around type performance, like from from the whole mm -hmm. club, or because you know you're actually saying there was a really good spine, especially along Mm -hmm. the back line. And I kind of want to get your thoughts. There were there were two guys who who were in the lineup, who are normally not even into the 18, in Tate Schmidt and Andrew Brody. Mm-hmm. What, what were your thoughts? First, let's let's start with uh, Tate Schmidt, because he has had minutes with RSL before. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your thoughts on him, especially playing on that wing? Yeah, I mean, he's played plenty plenty on the left-hand side for, for the Monarchs, where he's played, uh, made his debut uh, back at the start of the season against LA uh, FC in LA, uh, played up front and then switched to the wing when uh, when Bofo Salcedo went down. Um, you know, ran himself into the ground. Um, uh, unspectacular. It wasn't really... Um, it was a tough slog for everyone, and that's not uh, singling Tate out. He'll have better games. There is blatant talent there. There's a reason why he was signed and, and the record of, of signing uh, these young players before the draft has been really, really good. I mean, you look at the players in the squad and how many young players we have, academy graduates, uh, particularly over the last two, three years that have been signed before the draft. Uh, I put them into to that uh, that bucket of uh, conveyor belt or talent. And then Andrew Brody is probably the other one they're going to come to. Um, a converted right winger, very much like Brooks Lennon, plays on the right-hand side uh, and switched to, to the full-back role. I thought he did okay. I mean, you know, coming up against um, Diego Rossi uh, on the left-hand side where he mainly plays, one of the, the best young talents in Major League Soccer. And then Carlos Vela was able to come over there uh, at times as well. And I thought he handled that pressure. I thought he did himself, uh, um, you know, the world of good when it comes to, to getting a nod for, for future endeavors playing with, with the first team squad. Um, does he get that opportunity if the under-23 lads are there? I don't think so. I was actually going to ask you that because you look at that and you're, you're missing four guys, mm-hmm. even though they're, they're staying in Utah and they're not, like, playing any matches they're they're having training camp, but whenever you're called up to the U.S. team, you're basically saying, you know, club team hands off. But then you look at it, you don't have Albert Rusnak, you don't have Jefferson Savarino, who are who are called up to to a national team duty. 
obviously things would actually be different if they were available and not playing for the national team and, and this game would be more competitive. But let alone would, would it be – would maybe it go another goal or two for RSL and maybe uh, you know holding one back if you had the four guys who were with the under-23 team available? Um, I don't know. Hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? I yeah, mean, it is. I, don't, I don't think that, uh, that, again, if they'd have brought more energy, um, a little bit crisper. And you saw flashes yesterday of what RSL was trying to do under Freddie Juarez. Um, it just, just wasn't executed uh, well. And and the benefit of this then is obviously you lick your wounds and, and you uh, regroup and at least five, at the very least, five of the six that are away will be available for uh, Chicago Fire, um, and you get to work on some some things. About 15, 20, uh, 10, 15 minutes before the end of the game, um, you know, the, the initial substitutions of Nadem coming on along with Luke Mulholland was a bit of a head-scratcher, but then you saw the switch of formation going more of a, a 3-5-2 or a, a 3-4-1-1 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it went three at the back with, with the wing backs and whatnot. Um, so it was just another opportunity to try something different. But I, it just needed to be a little bit closer. And, and LAFC and, and Bob Bradley uh, last week already you know, making videos of how seriously they're taking the Open Cup. Um, you knew that you were in for a game. And, and you, know, you just have to tip your cap to, to LAFC. They, they decided to go all out. Their squad is certainly deeper. They've certainly got a bigger budget. Uh, with regards to to wages and designated players, they've attracted top talent, and uh, they got their reward last night. So, you know, we're not, we're not going to look too much into this game because now they're they're knocked out. There's not anything they're able to do about it. It's not major league soccer action. It would have been nice to move on, mm-hmm. get you know some more games in, and also have have that chance for the money and you know a you know a, a cup and going into Champions League. Which you know they've always said it, it, it's the fastest way to get all three of those things is is by winning the U.S. Open Cup. But something now I I kind of want to shift gears. I I actually saw a tweet from Tom Hackett, and I can't believe I'm actually quoting a tweet from Tom Hackett. But it actually poses a really good question. Now across all the competitions, that's now three straight losses for Real Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Tom Tom said you know on Twitter last night, lying in bed pondering RSL's performance tonight. I'm also thinking about the the season thus far. What is RSL's identity? I'm I'm, I'm going to go through all of Tom's questions, but I want to stop at each one, and I want your answer from it. So, oh, what is RSL's identity? Um, multiple. I think we're a counter-attacking team that is more than capable of being a possession-based team, depending on the opponent. Um, bearing in mind, uh, Trevor, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this wasn't an issue we'd just gone off bounce bounce uh, back-to-back uh victories against two very good teams that had come into rio tinto stadium in, in toronto fc the team with the highest wage bill in major league soccer just shy of 20 million a year and uh atlanta united um yes there's been a couple of changes for both both teams with regards to uh players personnel yeah, and obviously atlanta coaches um but they are the reigning mls champions for a reason and uh, we we hung with them quite easily. Um, the, the the games afterwards uh, on the road, Montreal uh, was just a little bit flat, and the uh, New York Red Bull game was was terrible. It was just just you know we, you get into halftime nil nil, and and Nick Romano's made a handful of saves that have been absolutely top draw, um, and you're probably happy. 
but to come out four nil losers after after that, that's 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 a problem. Uh, but again, at the same time, you you look at this this home game uh, in the Open Cup, did what you could do with with the players that were missing, um, and I think there was a better performance in that team that was put out, not only against New York uh, but against LAFC, and we just didn't see it. And you just already answered Tom's other question, like you know the style of play. Um, you know what? What exactly do they want to do? And you, you were saying that that they're more counter attack. But you know, is, is this something where fans should maybe pause for concern, or do we just chalk it up as yeah, they're in a little bit of a slump right now? But once they get everybody back from from national duty and healthy, that things are going to be turning around. Um, you know, touch wood, absolutely. Uh, I think you've seen uh, for for the two seasons that uh, that Mike Pecky has been in. Well, it's over two seasons, but the, you know, two thousand and seventeen, two thousand and eighteen, there is a push from summer onwards where RSL become more consistent, and we've seen that both you know in seventeen and eighteen. I expect the same uh, for for two thousand and nineteen. I think we're in a good place. Um, the uh, road form has to improve. When I was looking at preseason looking where RSL need to be if they want to be in the playoffs not there or thereabouts or looking for a result to help them get in like they did last year and then the year before that just missing out because they were looking for favors again they needed to pick up i think it was another 4 points on the road and turn some of the uh, the draws that we had or the ties that we had last season into wins against poor poor opposition so far they've done that FC Dallas and uh, and Portland uh, Timbers have come in both very good western conference teams but, uh, you know, last year it was San Jose who were terrible. Uh, they've improved a lot. Um, I think Montreal got a tie there as well, and, there was, and Colorado. So they, they've got to pick up a few more points. I would say six more points at home and another four, three, four points on the road than they did last year. And I think they'll be over that red line and not looking for favors. And that's the most important thing is that you're in form when it comes to October time and and. and if we can get home field advantage, that'd be great. But right now, it's just making sure that you're a consistent playoff uh, contender uh, come October time. And you know, you're you're mentioning that, and being in this slump right now, does that make it more? You know, for for that loss on Tuesday night, three nothing in the Open Cup, does that make June twenty second against the Fire on the road a more critical match to where you have to at least get a point? Um, ideally, I mean, we're co- coming up against the team in Chicago that is highly inconsistent as well. Um, don't have a lot of wins in the last month or so, um, and under real pressure, this is a good, it's an opportunity. I won't say a good opportunity It's an opportunity for RSL to bounce back players that are, that have, uh, had niggles or players that have come back from injury that played the 90 minutes, um, against LAFC, get some extra time to heal up. Again, it's not going to be this weekend. It's the weekend after, so we can work on a few things, which would be awesome for for Kyle Beckham and Everton Louise. Um, and then, obviously, the guys that are traveling back. You know, Albert Rusnak, we've seen him time and time again come back from international duty, try and play that day or two after um, coming off the bench or, or starting and just looking tired. You know, the, the travel is just taken out of him. Um, I, hopefully, that's that's something that we can see um, and RSL can, can improve on. With the, with time under the underneath them, uh, underneath their legs, and and uh, able to, you know, just recover, do do your recovery properly, and, and just be as fresh as possible. That being said, 
June 22nd against Chicago Fire will will be a good test for RSL going back on the road. But then you start to look at this uh, at the schedule. It will be two games after that at home at Rio Tinto Stadium against um, Sporting Kansas City and Columbus Crew. Two massive tests there, but winnable games. Then you're on the road against a, a an opponent opponent that's quite close to you right now and, and made great strides to improve themselves in San Jose. And then you're at home against Philadelphia Union and uh, Minnesota United. So Which both are really good teams, especially Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a Phil- very good team. Philly have done a, a really good job under Jim Curtin, but they are all winnable, winnable games. When you look at it, they're coming from the East Coast. There's not many teams that are massively or hugely consistent on the road going coast to coast. And I, I put RC, RSL uh, West Coast because obviously not only they're in the Western Conference, well, yeah. but it's two different time zones. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot. To, and then we talk, we put in, you know, we factor in the fact that we're at altitude and whatnot. It's, it's, there's an opportunity to have 18 points. And and nobody's worried about this this three game run now. Obviously, if it doesn't go RSL's way, there might be a little bit of you know room for concern. But then you you start to to look into August and August. There's going to be um, five games. Sorry, six games. That's a lot. Four of them are going to be at home though, which would be a a massive. Uh, who are who, are who are they playing on the road? In, in those on months. the road, it will yeah. be Sporting Kansas City, which is hard to play, and, and then uh, Portland Timbers, which so they just got a new. They got they got updated. Well, yes, stadium. they got it upgraded. Um, so yeah, this again, the games are coming thick and fast. There's massive opponents, and they're not easy games. None of those games are going to be easy. Uh, the only one that you've got is uh, at home against Colorado Rapids, and with the rise that they've had as well over you know since um, that their Anthony Hudson left, and. Um, uh, Connor Casey um, has taken over. There's there's no free uh, points uh, in, in Major League Soccer at this moment in time. But again, you keep t- talking about it. You're going up against your Western Conference rivals a lot. It's a six point swing, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's a six point game, um, and then you know uh, you've got the momentum, particularly when you played nine of your first fifteen games this season on the road. All right, we are going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to briefly touch on the U.S. women's national team uh, with their 13 nothing win over Thailand. And then we'll also dive into um, the U.S. under-23 team coming in and uh, with RSL, former RSL head coach Jason Christ. We will have you hear from him as well on that. We, uh, you know, The media caught up with him. He had a media availability. So all that coming up next here on the Lions Den. Welcome back into the Lions Den. Trevor Allen filling in for Tom Hackett and Spencer Warren here with me. Maddie Gash uh, wasn't able to make it, um, dealing with traffic issues. So we just told him, "Don't even bother coming in." Uh, as we were almost done. Love you, Maddie. Hope- Gig Harbor finest. Woo! That's yeah. from Gig Harbor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You knew that. Yeah. Up the lads. Up the lasses. It's the women's World Cup, so it's up the lasses it is. right now. By the way. 13 nothing win. Did you see that coming? Um, 10 goals yeah. in the second half. Yeah, it's Thailand. Alex Morgan, five goals. She's, listen, mate, until the rest of the world catches up with the standard that the U.S. women's soccer team has set, 
you're going to see results like this. I mean, Thailand, no disrespect, wonderful country, looks beautiful, great food. Yeah, I've heard. But, you know, just absolutely. I couldn't give two hoots if you just run that score up and celebrate every goal like it's That your was actually what goal. I was going to ask you because there absolutely. are there are a lot of people who are saying that you know, and and not only that, were what, did you have any problem with them celebrating even after the 13th goal? No. Because pe- people were saying that, you know, they were they were celebrating their last goal like it was the first and and that they weren't showing class and running up the score. To me, if that was a friendly, if that was, you know, even even a World Cup qualifying match, fine. You know, I would I would get how that isn't being a sport. But when it's the World Cup, the biggest stage, the highest level of soccer, you're going to put your pedal to the metal. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, why wouldn't you? I've got absolutely no problem with it. I mean, you know... I don't. I don't think they were particularly disrespectful, and I've only seen the highlights. I've not watched the game because I've not watched a ton of of women's soccer um, at the World Cup right now. I did catch England, Scotland, at the Lionesses, um, <laughs> and then. But I, you know, I haven't watched a ton of the women's World Cup so far. But I mean, it's the biggest stage set. I don't think they were particularly disrespectful. I mean, they were breaking records left, right, and centre. Why wouldn't you just enjoy that moment? I mean, you might only get one opportunity to play in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I, you know, I'm off my soapbox now, guys. You can always disagree with me, but I, I don't think it was disrespectful. I think it's about winning and, and winning well and setting a marker for the rest of the teams that are around you. That if you're going to knock the uh, the US off their perch, you're going to have to come and you have to bring absolutely everything because they are going to ruin you otherwise. Well, I tell you what, if there's ever a tiebreaker to get out of, out of the group stage and it comes down to goal differential, I don't think the United States is going to have a problem advancing. Well, they might do. You really think that there's a, another team that it just through one match has a 13-goal differential? I was just being sarcastic. I know you were, but I, I wanted to call you out on it because people cannot see your face, nor should they. <coughs> Sorry, I'm just getting over the flu, guys. Are you? Uh, sympathy packages, more than welcome. Please send them to uh, KSL. Uh, I don't know the address here, to be honest with you. Well, people know where it is, but the packages are going to come to you. I'm just going to... Care of Tom Hackett because he's more honest than Trevor Allen. Uh, are you sure about that? West Jordan's finest. No, well, Tom's a criminal. It, it comes from a long line <laughs> of criminals. I don't mean that he's an actual criminal. <laughs> yeah, that, that, Love you, Tom. that's a whole other story. Four... Four? It was just golf time. Sorry. Up the lads. Um, and the lasses. Okay, so earlier on Wednesday, which which is the, the day that we're taping this, um, the media was able to catch up with former RSL head coach Jason Christ. Legend. Now, yeah, he is a legend. Six years as the head coach, uh, played another three seasons with the club, was the very first player signed to Real Salt Lake when, when they first were created by Dave Checkett's. And, you know, Jason then went on to be the, after the 2013 season when RSL lost to Sporting Kansas City in MLS Cup, uh, Jason decided to help start up NYCFC um, and then was fired after a season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. A- after a full season. Well, he was gone for two years, but they weren't starting for two years. So he was over scouting in England and all that stuff. And then... He was fired there, and then he was hired by Orlando City and lasted about as long as he did in New York. So I will ask you, and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll play the audio. 
why is it that Jason Kreis hasn't been able to stick as a head coach in Major League Soccer since leaving Real Salt Lake? Um, you know what? I think uh, Jason Kreis is a very good coach. Um, he was given a lot of time at Real Salt Lake to develop um, and, and uh, go into that role as as a coach and develop a philosophy and style. Um, I thought he was going to get that at New York. He went over there for, for he went over to Manchester for a year um, to to work with uh, Manchester City uh, because of the same ownership group. And uh, he said that was a wonderful experience. And as an expansion team, they wanted success from the off. And as we know, that is pretty much unheard of. Now, you know, could they have done a little bit better? Maybe. Um, Atlanta United did a very good job. Their second season becoming champions. I was going to say, that, that has kind of starting to become the trend in Major League Soccer. It is. Um, LAFC had a very good debut season. And we go back to, to Seattle Sounders. They did it very well when they first came into the league. Um, but it doesn't always work out like that. I, I think that uh, that there was an opportunity to sign uh, Patrick Vieira, uh, a well-known French, French international, as, as the head coach, and they went for it. Um, he'd obviously finished his career at Manchester City, was working with the academy there as well, um, and, and it was just you know a business decision. I don't agree with it. I, I think that uh, it was a poor decision. Um, I don't think New York have been anywhere near as good since Patrick Vieira went back to France. They, they, they've been uh, mediocre, in my opinion, particularly um, with the wage bill, which they have just recently cut. Um, I think they're actually spending maybe a little bit less than Real Salt Lake now, which is crazy. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Um, and then Orlando. Orlando was a strange one for me for, for Jason Kreis. Again, another opportunity to prove his worth. And I think he did it, to be honest with you. That ownership group is is one of the poorer um, groups in the entire league. They are horrendous, and uh, they are going to continue to be inconsistent um, with, with their off-field uh, problems and bickering that they have. If you want to get into it and, and talk a little bit more, go find uh, analyst and former Real Salt Lake goalkeeper Jay Nolly. He's more than uh, welcome to you, you know, have a discussion with you of what he thinks about uh, Orlando, and uh, it's still very close to Jason Christ and gets the uh, inside info. There you go. You go and go and track him down. He'll, he'll talk to you about uh, Orlando. But, yeah, I, I think it was a, a relief uh, for him a little bit, um, and this is a massive opportunity with him regarding um, the Olympic squad. Going to the Olympics, it's massive, particularly for the four players. We had Brooks Lennon on the, the earlier in the uh, season, uh, Trevor, and I think we all know he's not a right back. He, no. he did it. He, he's done it because he's done everything that he's going to be asked of him as a young player, trying to get as many minutes as possible. Well, that was also of what he was asked by by Greg, Greg Berhalter in order for him to get called up to the senior national team. Yes, but we think we know he's a, he's an attacking player. He's much more effective uh, at, at being an attacking player. I, uh, but he spoke about that uh, on the podcast about his opportunity, maybe his opportunity to get with him at U.S. Men's National Team is in the Olympics. And all four of those guys, both of us, I'll Justin Glad and Aaron Herrera, um, massive opportunity not only to represent the state, but uh, but to represent their country in the Olympics. Uh, just It would be fantastic. And hopefully they, they start to kick on. 
three of them are, are really playing very well. Brooks Lennon has got a little bit of catching up to do with regards to form. I think it happens. I think he still has a role to play, particularly when we get into the dog days, particularly when we have six games in a month, when you start having two games in a week. There's going to be minutes there, and hopefully he can uh, get a few more minutes, if not playing up front, but at least playing in that wide forward role that uh, that he did so well when he first came on loan from Liverpool. Do you do you think that maybe after this this time under Jason Christ from this camp, you know, learning from a guy who who played the the striker position at a high level, mm-hmm. and I even asked Brooks this if you guys want to go check uh, check out what he said, go over to kslsports.com. But Brooks, you know, I, I asked him what Jason talked to him about as far as advice, you know, being you know coming from a striker and him being called up as a forward to the to the under twenty three team. Do you think that? Now, after after this training camp, that maybe Mike Pecky and his staff will look at maybe Brooks as not a, a right back and maybe start playing him along the wing? Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully there's more opportunities there and minutes there that will be available. You know, again, if Tony Beltran was fit, I think you see Tony Beltran get some minutes at right back um, over, not over Aaron Herrera. But uh, you might see Brooks Lennon get opportunities further forward. He's filling in. He's doing a job because he's a squad player. And there's there's not a lot of other options out there right now playing right back. Now, Andrew Brody did a great job, uh, or a good job, I should say, um, against LAFC right now, uh, last night. Does he get a, a Real Salt Lake contract? I don't know. I don't know if he's if he's earned it um, or if he's an upgrade on Brooks Lennon. Uh, that's that's up for for discussion with with people that are that are more qualified than myself. But uh, right now, at this moment in time, it's Aaron Herrera um, and and Brooks Lennon that is that is you know the the cover right now with um, Savarino being away with Venezuela. That could be as long as early July before we see him back. You know, another month or so. Um, could there be opportunity with with Corey Baird and and um, and Brooks Lennon on the right hand side, absolutely. Um, there's there's got to be minutes. Uh, there's got to be minutes earned as well. And I think that uh, that that Brooks, with his patience, what he did last season, uh, playing right back um, to to fill in that role while Tony Beltran wasn't fit, and Aaron Herrera was playing left back because the the cover at left back wasn't either not suitable or hadn't won the right. Um, I, it's not Brooks's fault. I think there is a very very good major league soccer player in there. It's just further forward than than he's playing right now, or then you look at the end of the uh, Open Cup game last night when RSL went three centre backs and played wing backs. I could see Brooks playing a right wing back role, which is a little bit more the you know attacking, um, which is his strengths. Um, a little less. Um, there's got to be tracking back. There's got to be defensive work. But a lot of defending is done by the three centre-backs, and he's the one that is the outlet. And as we all know, Brooks Lennon will run all day long. That guy's got an absolute engine on him. All right, uh, speaking of Brooks Lennon, we will hear from the coach of the United States under-23 team, uh, Jason Kreis, as he talked to the media on Wednesday. Yeah, incredible. Really incredible to look around and, and see all these fantastic fields and this building behind us and mini stadium for the monarchs it's just an incredible incredible investment that Deloitte's made for the club and um and for the community um i think that there's just so much to be proud of here uh, and so it's it's nice that they've welcomed us in and we're enjoying it and you called up four rsl academy products that are with the first team what do you like about them that mm-hmm. you wanted to have them in the u23 camp yeah from an age age pacific point of view uh, for players that are born in 97 or later 
um, into the under-23 pool. All those players are really top considerations for us. Um, and we had a camp in Spain in March that was thrown together at the last minute. Um, and we asked for those four players, and we asked for a bunch of players, and we got a lot of no's. Um, and so it was nice, really, really nice, and again, extremely supportive by Real Salt Lake to allow us to have those players in this camp because I think there's a good chance that those four, four players and some of the others that are here will be big players for us as we move forward and, and attempt to qualify for the Olympics. Is there a sense of pride for you when you're seeing this, that you know <laughs> that you, you helped yeah. in a way build this? Yeah, I mean, I guess so, right? I mean, I guess so. I feel like I have to feel like I was a big part of the... The, um, the beginning of this club, being the first player that was signed here and then um, coaching the team for a few years. So, yeah, a little bit. Um, certainly we were at the stadium last night, and that was also kind of brought about um, a lot of feelings and different to be watching a game from the stands. That's a rare, rare occurrence for me as well, but I enjoyed it. Do you, do you still come back to Utah and visit often, and, and what's it been like to come back here and, and be able to coach and train here? Yeah, um, I've come back probably a handful of times um, since I left. Uh, in 2000, when did I leave? 2013, 14. <laughs> Handful of times we have friends here, and um, as I said, I mean, I, I, I remarked on it a lot. Um, I'm the type of guy I think that says what I mean and mean what I say. Um, I love this place. I did love it, and I still do love it. Uh, every time I come here, I have great feelings, and I'm not sure how you can't uh, enjoy yourself when you have that kind of backdrop behind you. You There's brought the team the, their one trophy so far, led them in 2009. What do you remember about that group? And when you look out and see Kyle and Nick still out there grinding yeah. last night, you know yeah. what do you what comes to mind? Um, just a lot of special memories, um, a lot of really really special memories. Of course, the wins were fantastic. Of course, the run um, leading up to the playoffs, um, the run of form that we were in um, to make the playoffs, and then our run through the playoffs. Uh, as a coach, there's 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 not much else that's better than, than out looking out there at your team and saying seeing, saying to yourself, that's the exact picture I've had in my mind for a long time. Um, and we were seeing that at the end of that year, and it was a special time. And I have to say more, than, more so than, than any of the results or the holding up the trophy, it was just all of those times with those players and with the people that were involved. The culture uh, in that team was second to none. With the men's team missing the World Cup last time, is there extra pressure, or do you feel that pressure to build these guys up and, and lift, uh, get the USA back up to the upper echelon? You know, there is there is an extra sense of urgency, but I, I wouldn't say it feels like pressure. Uh, I think it feels like um, a new direction um, and a real sense of organization and a real sense of um, identity on who we want to be as national teams and how we want to play in the national team program. And I think that that's been really, really nice for me to be a part of uh, and to be a part of kind of uh, the direction and the understanding of what that all looks like. So I do think that, that as a coach it's nice to kind of come into a situation and kind of have the identity and the culture defined for you and then you just have to carry it out. So um, I've enjoyed it for the first several months that I've been a part of this and the first two camps. This camp has been absolutely spectacular. Um, with the attitude and the camaraderie and the spirit of the group. So uh, how I think the, things how look good moving like, forward. Sorry, how is it different from coaching an MLS club to you know, the U23, U23 national team? Um, there's lots of differences, obviously lots of differences. I touched on the first one right there because when you come into a club, especially the clubs that I've come into in my last three jobs, has been a little bit about establishing what that culture looks like. And so you're really starting from a culture point of view rather than a tactical point of view. And it, all these things take a lot of time. 
Um, and to be a part of those decisions, is, it's good in, in its way as well. I mean, you want to, I think those things are really extremely important. But to come into the national team program when I came in in March, that stuff's been clearly defined. And so now it's about applying those principles and applying that culture and trying to make it right within your camps. Um, so it's taken s- some of the burden off. Um, the other thing that's really nice about working with national team players is they all come into it with sort of the same mentality um, from the point of view that, that everybody has the same opportunity to earn minutes and to play and to kind of show you what they can do. When you're in a club environment, it can be a little different. There can be a handful of players who aren't aren't too happy with you as a coach and, and aren't seeing things the same way and maybe don't give you the same effort and attitude um, and intensity that they should every day. So that's been really nice, not that to worry about all that stuff every day. Did you say you enjoyed the tactical side more? Just kind of not having to maybe focus as much on a culture and identity when that's already part of U.S. soccer and kind of been mapped out? Yeah. No, I think I'm just enjoying it altogether. I, I believe 100% in, in the culture piece that's being established here. I believe 100% in the way um, we're going about the methodology of, of teaching the group and coaching the group. Um, so it's just enjoyable to be a part of that. And it's also just enjoyable, again, to be coaching. Right. Um, I've been out for a few months, um, and there's always some some level of questioning when you're out for that long as to whether this is really the job for you. But when I get back on the field, I know pretty quickly that this is what I love to do. How much of your coaching philosophy from when you were here are you using at, at the U.S.? A ton, a ton. I mean, the system looks different, and some of the movements look different, and some of uh, what we're asking from the details look a little different. Um, but from an overall um, soccer perspective, what I want to see in the players and what I want to see in a tactical system and how we move the ball is, is, is the same. Do you, do you still keep in touch with some of your players from, from RSL that are still on, on the team now or, you know, abroad? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a Kyle and a, and a Nick for sure um, that we, we text every now and again. And then Javi Morales, if people don't know, works for Inter Miami, my second job. Uh, and so we see each other every day. Um, so it's been really, a, really interesting and fun for me to be involved with the education of him as a coach. And I think he's going to be an incredible one. Do you still have a place here? I do not. I do not. And it's a big, <laughs> it's a, uh, a big sense of sorrow, actually. Uh, we, both my wife and I remark on that so often that we wish we had kept our last house here because I think uh, as, the, as the years have gone on and some of the situations we've been in, it would have been really nice to kind of come back in here between jobs. <laughs> you mentioned Nick. Uh, how, when he announced that he was going to retire, what was your reaction? Um, I think my reaction most of all is, is um, pride. Yes, um, pride in having a, I think a, a pretty, a pretty good piece of the commando and a pretty good piece of uh, of his successes. Um, and I also, I also think he's he's made a really good decision um, about when he's when he's going out uh, and what he's gotten out of his career. I'm just, I'm a huge, huge fan of Nick's, um, both in the way he plays, but probably more importantly about who he is. So it's been, I think it's been an honor to have gotten to work with him and to be a part of his special career. And that's former RSL head coach and current United States under-23 national team coach Jason My Price. Man. Back in Utah. With with uh, Jeff Kassar as well, goalkeeping yeah, coach. Yeah, uh, I guess they were at the game last night, according to Jason. Uh, brought, yep. brought back a lot of memories. Um, you know, and, and Jason has come back to visit Utah. He doesn't have his house here anymore, as you just heard. It it brought a lot of sorrow to him that he doesn't have his house in Utah anymore. <laughs> but um, and 
you know, Jason, and another thing I found out, that he's working closely with uh, former RSL midfielder Javier Morales, who is the uh, academy coach for Inter-Miami, which will be beginning uh, play in Major League Soccer next season. Yeah, I'm actually moving over there just to uh, be David Beckham's neighbor. David Beckham's neighbor. I don't know if you can afford a house <laughs> next to David Beckham. I can't afford the you know a pair of socks that you'd wear. So, I was going to say, can you even afford his pool house? No, no. I mean, rent free? Absolutely. He'd let me live there rent free. Would the, he? I, I doubt it. Are you and are you and Beckham tight? We are absolutely. Even though he's a dirty, uh, dirty mank. Um, a what? A dirty mank. What, what does that mean? He's a uh, Manchester United Mank Union. Oh, gotcha. Well, even though he's from London, first I he's, thought he's it, first I thought it was like some slang term that that you use that I don't know about. Like Tom has his his slang words. Bloody oath. There's a lot more than that, but there is. But that's one that I can actually up the say. lads, up the lasses. Yeah, no, up the up the lads is definitely uh, Tom's uh, signature hashtag now on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, it is. It is. So when it, so if if you guys could uh, it, as you listen to this, just send a, a tweet to Tom at Tom Can't Hack It with the hashtag Up the Lads. That's it. That's what you need. Just do that, and we will be very grateful for you to do that. All right, that will do it for Spencer the Gov Warren. I'm Trevor Allen. This is the Lions Den. <laughs>